welcome to Joe Talks Comics. This is your host, Joe Loves Comics. And this is the podcast where I talk to friends about the comics we've been reading and enjoying lately. Plus, occasional start episodes and creator interviews. This week, it's the third in a series of creator chit chats that I've been doing since well, the past couple of weeks. And this is a, another indie book that's out today, actually, the day you're listening to this. So, go check that out if you want. Where Wants Design, issue one. Go check it out on your LCS. They hopefully have it, and they might be able to back order it for you, if not. Or, and then if you're interested and you enjoy it, make sure to order the upcoming issues, because like I've been mentioning in the past few weeks, and like we get into in this interview with Kyle, um, these books really need your support. They they couldn't do it without your support. And also, if you enjoy Kyle's work, you might enjoy I Hate This Place, which is coming out, well, which is returning for a second arc, March 1st, with issue 6. The first trade is available now, if you want to catch up. I, I read it before recording this interview and having this conversation, so, and I really enjoyed it, so I, I would recommend it, and I'm not just saying that. Um, final, final order cut-off for that. I don't need, I don't know for sure, but based on when they, they tend to be, it should be about a few weeks before, so should be like the first week of February, I want to say February 6th, that's not, like, don't, don't take my word for it, but if you're interested, try and get your orders in at least before, uh, say, February 6th, just to make sure that you've got it, because again, it's a great series, and it could really use your support, and also, as I mentioned it in this, the conversation, but I'd also recommend Six Sidekicks of Trick Keaton, that one was with uh, Chris Weiser on art, I can't remember else was working on it and fortunately um and also i hate this place has art by artyon Pauline. sorry pretty mispronounced that and the coloring by lean outridge and I, I always love uh his work on like deadly class and oh like tim drake robin it, it's just such a great colorist so it's great to see his work on more comics and i think that's about it. So, yeah, just enjoy, and I'll see you on the other side. As well. First of all, just welcome to the podcast. It's a joy to ha- have you here. I'm glad we organised and uh, having a chance to talk. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad to be here. So, first of all, before we get started talking about where monsters lie and that upcoming launch, do you want to just introduce yourself to? Uh, sure, yeah. My name's Kyle Starks. I'm a professional comic book creator. I'm probably best known as the Morty comic writer and occasional artist uh, for Oni Press. Uh, I'm a two-time Eisner nominee for my book Sex Castle and Rock Candy Mountain. I most recently have had books from Skybound, uh, Six Sidekicks of Trigger Keaton, and I Hate This Place. And I have a forthcoming book, uh, February something, second, third, from Dark Horse called Where Monsters Lie. I make fun little comic books for fun little boys and girls. Yeah, and six sidekicks of Trigger Keaton, not not in a easy name to say fast, <laughs> um, but that was where I first discovered you in your your writing, so that's fun. Yeah, I'm pretty pleased with it. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar liked it. We got on a lot of best of 2022 lists. Pretty proud of ourselves. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think you should be. It was a fun book, nice and snappy and action-packed, and yeah, just all around a great comic. Yeah, that's what we're shooting for. Yeah, absolutely. So you're here to talk about that, that upcoming launch you mentioned, Where Monsters Lie, on February 1st. 
think uh, do you want to just introduce that because i've only read the solicitor but it, it looks really interesting even from just from that oh sure yeah so where monsters lie is about a gated community for slasher monsters uh slasher villains like you see in the popular horror films uh where they sort of exist between their killing sprees and uh, a sort of final girl survivor type finds out where they are and shows up to get revenge. Should it be like a, a fun little horror movie? It's four issues. be tight and gory and action-packed and fun, just like we like things to be. Yeah, that's awesome. So where did that sort of idea originate when you start thinking about the idea of the... Yeah, so I mean, I love... I love horror movies. I really do. And I think my favorite are slasher movies. They're... I love action movies. I'm sort of steeped in 80s action movies. And I sort of love things that are dumb, but they're still fun. They bring something entertaining to the table. So I think I've always been sort of drawn to, to slasher movies more than any other horror. And I think there's also an element of, of me having come up reading superhero comics. How I, I love someone in a costume with a shtick, you know, the battle of good mm. versus evil. And I think also because I was raised in, in sort of a, a superhero environment, I love a team up. And so I think I think I, like anyone who is really interested or passionate about something, always think about it past what you see and what you experience. And I wondered a lot of questions about these slasher villains. One, what would they do if they were together? What do they do when they're not on screen killing co-eds? Like where where do they get their clothes? Where do they, where do they go between those yeah. two movies? Um, and I really wanted to explore all these ideas, but I also wanted there to be, you know, a story more than just like look at all these characters together. So the idea of, like I said, a a sort of survivor comes back, and uh, I'm I'm not doing it in solicits, but I'm saying given the chance, it's like it's very much Batman if Thomas and uh, Martha Kent were killed by you know Michael Myers. He, he's trained his body and his mind to <laughs> to battle these monsters, and so when he finally comes across them, you know all hell is about to break loose. So yeah, that was sort of the whole thing. Is like I love all these I love all these mar- these sort of archetypes for 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 horror movies, and what if they were all together, and then what if something terrible happened to them? Yeah, because I, I know in comics that that's something I always wonder sometimes it's like where does the Joker just like what, what does he do when he's not terrorizing Gotham is he just imagine the Joker and like an apartment in Gotham and you know just and morning and nights going to sleep it, you don't sort of think about those things sometimes uh, yeah, most people who, might not but who who's building the sawman's puzzles he's not doing it he's not he's not hiring like union contractors in the city to build his you know razor blade pits or whatever nonsense he has he's got to get that warehouse space uh i like the idea of there sort of being not a maybe a governing body but sort of like a coalition uh that sort of you know helps these guys out it's a lot you know just a lot of a lot of questions and and sometimes that's where stories begin is i'd like to see if x meets y Mm, yeah it feels like one of those ideas that it feels like so maybe not simple but it is sort of like simple to start with just that sort of pitch that you wonder why some people haven't done it already or it's sort of surprised that it's the first you've heard of that sort of idea right well that yeah i think i think maybe those are the best ideas right in the mm, ones yeah. where you go oh man i i wish i would or i wish i would have thought of that or why didn't i think of that uh i don't know if that's how it feels i'm glad for it <laughs> that's cool yeah 
Yeah, I can imagine that must be somewhat encouraging when you sort of feel that it's something that's actually going to be like fun to people. And yeah, well, I mean, that's the goal for all of them, for all mm, my books, for all yeah. my stories. Is is you know, I tell people when I started making, when I started, which wasn't that long ago, really, my goal was I want this to be moderately entertaining. I want people to put it down and be like, well, that was fun. And I think I can say with relative certainty that I've successfully done that relatively short comic career. And I think that's that's the goal. Like, is it fun? Is it moderately entertaining? Then it's a success. Yeah. Just... Where Monsters Lie is both fun and mm. moderately entertaining. Maybe even greatly entertaining. Only Maybe. time will tell. Yeah, because in so before this interview, I, I caught up on I Hate This Place, the first volume of that. And that's an interesting read because it has that sort of comedic element to it, but it's still a horror comic that's quite creepy and disturbing at times. But it's still like incredibly fun and entertaining. So it's a fun balance to achieve. Yeah, I I think, you know, I, I did mostly action comedy for for the majority of my career and I'm kind of switching into horror. And those are two similar beasts. They're both reliant mm. on the same sort of, you know, pacing and tone and uh, setups and payoffs. But horror like action movies, uh, especially 80s action movies, historically is is very comedy friendly. It likes to have some stuff in there. When when I when I wrote I hate this place, I certainly didn't think of it as a comedy per se. But I wanted those characters to be likable. I think the best people to spend time with are the ones who are a little bit funny. So those are kind of the characters I make for the most part. Yeah, because those characters in I hate this place, they do feel very real, and it's just sort of when 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 they do say, "Oh, I hate this place," you sort of really feel that, like, yeah, I was like, I bet you do after what's gone down and. All the world shenanigans. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a very apt and well chosen title. <laughs> yeah. So where does all where monsters lie? Well, lie on that sort of spectrum between sort of the hor- the horror and the more sort of comedic element. Is it is it sort of similar to I hate this place tonally or more more one way or the other? Uh, where monsters. Mm. It's tough, you know, because I feel like comedy mm. is such a is such a dirty word in comics. Yeah. That, like. For sure, when I did I Hate This Place, I was like, I'm writing a straight horror with charming characters. Um, and at the time, it was sort of recommended to me to maybe to step away from comedy because it is a bad word. There's not very many people who do it well. People are often burned. Um, so many things people are told are funny, and then you read it, and you're like, it's not that funny because comedy is very subjective if it's not done right. I think there's maybe only a handful of people who do it well, which is to say me and Chip Zdarsky and Mark Russell, Ryan Brown. Uh, and a few other guys I'm sure I'm overlooking. I think it's tough for people to do it consistently in a way that people go, this is funny and it's good, that I'm really sort of trying to step away from referring to myself as comedy as all. But that being said, that I I, I, I do want to bring joy uh, and entertainment to people in these dark times. I would say it leans more comedy than I Hate This Place does, but only at the beginning. Um, and I think if if people are familiar with my work, everything starts funnier than it ends. And I think that's just because you you want to pull people in and you want it to be fun to start, but then a good story makes you feel things other than one thing. So I tend to sort of lessen the comedy as I get deeper in. So this I'd say issue one is very funny. Issue four, not so funny. Right, yeah, and it is just four issues then. I, I couldn't quite remember. Yeah, it's four issues. Yeah. If you want to buy those single issues, you got to get those beautiful variant covers. That's what we say, because we don't want people to trade weight, but I trade weight, so I get in. <laughs> the- do you have any sort of particular preference between writing miniseries and writing ongoing? Because I know 
um, Six Sidekicks was also a miniseries, and then, I, but then I hate this place coming back for a second arc march. So I, I just wanted to be had any sort of preference between those two styles. Well, I mean, ostensibly, I've never done an ongoing except for Rick and Morty, right. which we which we did episodically. Um, I did basically each issue is a standalone issue like the show is. So, I mean, ostensibly, which is to say uh, the truth as I've never done an ongoing series outside That's of Rick true. and Morty. So basically the two things I've done is mini series and the second arc of, I hate this place will be the last arc of that. That was supposed to be an ongoing, but in modern, it, I did air quotes for ongoing. I was hoping to get 15 issues. We're doing 10. It just is what it is. That's the, the sort of state of the comic world. So really the two things I've done is mini series Rock Any Mountain, right. uh, Mars Attacks, Six Sidekicks, Assassination. Um, and I've done OGNs where I've self-published uh, Sex Castle, Kill Them All, uh, Old Head. Um, my preference is to do those because there's no page limit. Uh, everything gets the space it needs. It's not broken into chapters, forced 20-page chapters, you know. Um, but also comics are what they are. You need, you need, you need monthlies to promote the trade and you're it's it's even with if you don't do monthlies you're are there's just like it's such a small window for people seeing the book uh my ogns i did kickstarters on all of them before that were very successful and when they came out they did fine but it's a month you know no one's talking about old head no one's talking about kill them all because uh, their time came and went whereas people still talk about the other things because they had basically a year to spend with them before that trade came out so my preference is OGNs. I, I like not having page limits. I like letting a story be what it's supposed to be. Um, but I certainly prefer in the bigger scheme of things, though it's certainly I like the challenge. I like miniseries because they have beginning, middles, and ends. And I think the best stories have all those things. Um, without a potential end, there's no stakes, right? Like Spider-Man's always going to come back. Batman's yeah. always going to come back. Like what's the worst thing that can happen to Batman? He'll survive it. It doesn't matter. He'll survive it because because people want it. So I really like things that have beginning, middles, and ends more than anything else. And even with I Hate This Place, like I said, we're, we were ostensibly an ongoing. I could have done that book for forever. I mean, I could have done it for 50 issues. I could, you know, pretty easily just because of the nature of the setting that I created for it. Um, but it is what it is. Certainly for Where Monsters Lie, four issues is tight. Uh, it's in and out. But the story is, I guess the story is basically a horror movie, right? It's just if, if we were watching, like that's, mm. this is two hours of entertainment. And I like that. I like that you get in and you get out and you get the full story. And certainly with something like Where Monsters Lie, I'd love to do a second arc because one, I've set that up. And and two, it's a horror movie, right? Like we have to have at least one bad sequel or else it doesn't seem like it's really playing to to the sort of world that we created or yeah. the idea that we created. So it's tough, man. I mean, the industry is tough, you know? Um, and I think everyone's trying to figure out, you know, certainly things like Webtoons are doing great, but in terms of, ongoing like continuing and continuing continuing but it's also that's free entertainment in many ways so i think we're all trying to figure out how to tell the stories we want to tell i love a, i love a you know a 180 page ogn i think that's the best way to tell a story um but also i'm figuring out how to tell stories in sort of the new paradigm which is becoming it, when i did when i did i hate this place i think they wanted six issues and i was like well i have five issues because that's the arc, yeah. right? The arc is five issues. Yeah. And then when I went to do the second arc, I was like, oh, so six issues for the second arc. And they're like, ah, just do five. And Dark Horse is like, let's do four. Um, I have another pitch that was just like, let's do four. And it's like, that's even smaller, man. That's it's, that's 80 pages versus 100 pages. The 20 pages is a lot. It's a lot of story. Um, 
even for me who does very sort of uh i don't do cramped stories like i kind of let things breathe you know there's not a lot of the things that happen though i like to think sort of a lot of things happen but it's not like people aren't going to seven different locations there's not you know dozens of characters so yeah that's the answer i'd rather do ogns but also i want like old head i think is one of the best books i've ever made and it just it just it doesn't exist because there was no buildup to it it just existed and either people buy into it or they don't and i think for the most part unless you're ed brubaker that's sort of how it goes you know <laughs> yeah i suppose it's on a completely different scale but it sort of leads into the larger conversation about like netflix and the the binge dropping of shows and then as opposed to say like on disney plus like the weekly releases of the star wars and marvel things where it's on again it's on a completely different scale but it's all the interesting idea of following something week to week and enjoying it week to week and having that conversation as opposed to just yeah. having it drop all at once and or like stranger things when they split the fourth season in two and that was yeah. like the whole thing i think i think we're at the point where we're at the post pin the post binge point of streaming because people are trying to figure out like it's great that everyone watches on day one but it also it, it's it's there's a shelf life right i mean there's a shelf life mm. to people's attention um i i couldn't i can't do monthlies there for 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 personally i'm saying i can't do it i don't like storing them uh, i like to i like to pull things off and reread things and having to pull out like five issues out of their poly bag and you know find them in the bot like i don't like that i like things being on a shelf um that's my preference but also like i said is that you need that you need people to have spend time with it. And I think with TV is the same. Like I prefer to have something to look forward to week to week. I prefer that. But I also like a movie over television. You know, I'd rather sit down and get a full story in one shot than watching 13 episodes or whatever of a show because that's just how I prefer to consume things, which is why I like OGNs, right? Because I like one big story at once. I like to just suck it up. Um, but I think everyone's trying to figure out. And I think comics is going to maybe theoretically change how they do some things too because I think you have to sort of play into how people consume things. And I don't know what the answer is. Don't ask me. I don't know. If I did, <laughs> I'd be doing it and everything would be going far better than it is. Yeah, I was going to say, if someone had that answer, everything would be in a better place, at least maybe comics-wise. Yeah, likely. I mean, I think some someone's going to... I mean, comics are doing fine, but we could be doing better. You know, like, uh, there's not that many readers for monthly comics, really. Uh, there's probably more collectors than readers. And it's like, how do you find... How do you How do you get back what used to be basically like grocery store spinner racks, you know? Mm. Uh, and some publisher is going to figure that out with books good enough to to sort of make it happen, I hope. And we'll get back to having casual readers because that's not what comics has now. There just isn't casual readers. Not going to comic shops, not buying monthlies. Like maybe they're buying trades at Barnes & Nobles, but even then, have you been to, Bar well, I don't know if you guys have Barnes & Nobles. Barnes & Nobles is what used to be the graphic novel section is now, been moved it's been replaced with the anime section which is fantastic people are reading sequential art but it's like people aren't even picking up like random they're not picking up super uh comics very exciting very depressing yeah i was gonna say we don't have buns or noble but i've noticed a similar thing in similar stores uh, equivalent stores over here where either it's been like moved or it's been downsized or whatever in favor of the manga and it, it's like my um i talked about my comic store the comic store owner once, the local one, where he was saying something like, like, we put it into perspective, if there's, say, 100,000 people reading Batman, which sounds like a lot, but then he was like, well, that's only maybe a city, like like a decently sized city. Oh, that, for that's sure. Like one like, city not even. on the whole planet. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. It's like a I... tiny amount of 
so the story that I tell, and I shouldn't tell it, but when, when, so I did old head as a Kickstarter, it did great. Uh, I've great fans. They're very supportive. Uh, I was very pleased, but I, I wouldn't, I worry about legacy, which honestly is what old head is about in many ways is about legacy. And I want it to be in a catalog. So I approached image. I would, would you publish my book? They're like, sure. We think it's very funny. We'd love to make your book old head. And they, so we go through the whole process and then they say, which has never happened with them. This is, you know, book number three with image. And they're like, how many, how many copies should we print? And I'm like, well, I don't know. That seems like an, that seems like a, an image <laughs> decision, not a Kyle decision. Right. And they're sort of yeah. logistics guy, their logistics guy goes, oh, well, based on your other books, we're going to print 4,000, 4,000. And, and I, to me, that's not enough for my legacy, my 4,000 period that will ever exist. Right. That's not how many they yeah. pre-ordered. Like they might go to another one. And I said something to a friend. One of my friends um, is a professor uh, who at one point in time taught like poetry stuff. And he's like, that seems like a lot of people. And I'm like, I'm like, I live in a city. I live in a small city in the Midwest of a quarter million people. And even where I live, <laughs> like I can't get five. I can't get that. I don't know what the math is on that. 4,000 is such a small number. I just got sales. I got pre-order numbers on, on a book. For, no, we'll back up. So Rick and Morty, um, Rick and Morty, which I think when they announced six sidekicks or assassination, one of those two, they're like, oh, by Rick and Morty sales, be sales beast, Rick and Morty writer. And it's like that book averaged like 15,000 copies. 15,000 is considered to be like great sales numbers, you know? And it's like, that's crazy. Like to me, and it says a lot, like I said, it says a lot about how people consume comics. Like how many people are downloading them? I don't know. Who knows? Like who cares? Um, but you know, in there used to be this thing, and, I, and I, I guarantee it still goes around. It still goes around, and like it's like the sales numbers for like DC in like 1982 or 1986, and of course, comics were what 60 cents then, 40 cents then, who knows? But Atari Force, which is not a popular series, could not have been a very popular series then, sold like a quarter of a million copies. But now we're talking about 4,000 and 15,000. Like it's crazy. It's crazy. Like we, we, it should be higher than that. It's such a small amount. Fifteen thousand is it's just it's crazy to think about. It. I try to think about it. Try not to think about it. That's where people are like, man, people should be making more money in comics. It's like, well, where's the money coming from? Like, you're only selling eight to fifteen thousand copies unless it's Batman. And you know the thing is with those numbers, even those Batman numbers, is that Batman's doing how many variants every month? Well, yeah. You know? So of that, whatever it is, how many people are buying five copies because they want all the variants? There's all these variables. I don't like to think about it because you know what? Comics is great, but also depressing. You got to love it. That's what you tell people, man. You got to love it. You got to want it. Yeah, because I mean, there's sort of, I've sort of had two ways of looking at it where if you gathered 4,000 people in a room, that would that would seem like a lot, understandably. But then, as we've sort of talked about, when you consider, like, out of all comic readers, out of just all, like, 8 billion people, of maybe, like, a, a small percentage of those are going to be comic readers, but even still, a small percentage of eight billion people are comic readers, and only four thousand. Uh, yeah, you're hoping for four thousand, <laughs> hoping to sell all four thousand. No, it's it's interesting. Uh, I and that's why I think I, you know, you look at the numbers on like webtoons and stuff. Like obviously, people even the, the manga sales. I said anime. Someone's like rolled their eyes when I said it earlier, but <laughs> I'm I'm from I'm from a different time. Uh, I love, I, I have two daughters, like they, they love manga. I love manga. I think it's great. And it's like, you love that people are enjoying sequential comic telling, like storytelling. Like that's the thing is like, you know, you, you want the art form to not suffer, which I don't think it is. Um, so it's like, people are out there. It's like, well, how do you find all these people? How do you bring all these people? How do you interest these, um, into reading 
and I think there's I think there's some big two. The sort of history of big two I think is overwhelming to some people. And even when they come to it, if you liked Harley Quinn or whatever the case might be, and you try to read Harley, you're like, I don't know where to start. I don't know where to go. Sure, but it's like the people who are doing stories like Skybound is doing um, or Dark Horse. It's like that's like, hey, come read this. Like these are short things. They exist. This one thing. It's easy to get into, and someone's going to figure out how to do that uh, for sure. Um, I, I think that's hopefully inevitable that there's that that you you figure out how to get everyone involved uh and it's just probably going to take some changes and people are resistant to that but fingers crossed i mean in terms of new readers i think that sort of leans into what we were saying about original graphic novels and barnes and noble and those sorts of stores where it's like a singular contained volume that someone can pick up just off the bookshelf and experience it and hopefully like it and maybe come back for it come back for more and maybe like the book itself has a sequel but it's definitely an interesting uh phenomenon in terms of all the discourse about the monthly issues and not lots of people trade waiting and lots of people just stopping issues altogether and some still defending it and uh, like as people say when they come to the defense that the sales are fine but they obviously as we've talked about could be better for sure for sure yeah and there's a there's a million variables, and you know certainly mm-hmm. we're not going to figure it out today. No, but it would be nice. I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic. Earlier, you talked about your love for original graphic novels, and it just made me think about because when I read the I Hate This Place trade, that doesn't have any issue breaks in it. I wondered if that was um that to a... do with your love of. You know what's so funny that... is like I didn't. So that's a Skybound preference. Looking right. Oh, is it? Um, yeah it doesn't you're right so this is a skybound preference and so assassination there's no chapter breaks for six sidekicks there's not either but we actually planned for that um by doing sort of those like we do these sort of flashbacks to tv shows because schweitzer i was like oh you know they don't do chapter breaks on the trade and i thought they stopped doing it so i didn't even pay that much attention i hate this place but yeah kirkman kirkman doesn't like those breaks and I'm sort of uh, I'm sort of of two minds of it because I think you you kind of want those cliffhanger endings for each chapter for each issue, but also I think it should be read as one cohesive thing. Mm. So, you know, for me and maybe because of working with Skybound, like I try to do splash pages or I try to do some sort of notable issue ending to go into the next part. Or there's a clear setting change. Um, but yeah, Skybound doesn't, Skybound doesn't, and maybe not with other books, but certainly from my books, they, like, they don't do those breaks. And I'm fine with that. I, it doesn't, I think on the, on, for Assassination, it was very jarring because I didn't know. But yeah, that's their thing. That's their bit. I don't know if they do it with other, I don't know if I have another Skybound book to look at in front of me. Uh, but yeah, that's a Skybound thing. Yeah, because I, that's interesting then, because I know the, I mean, recently reading Walking Dead for the first time, and those compendiums and the trades as well, apparently, they don't have any issue breaks on them, so I hadn't sort of thought about it carrying over to other books. But that's great, because I'm sure the Invincible has had breaks in it. Maybe Invincible is, yeah, but that one. Invincible's image, though, so, uh, and Walking that's, Dead that's was true. too, but but I think I think Kirkman has a little bit more control. I mean, he would have done, he would have then, too. Uh, but yeah, when I, for Assassination, I was told that that was, that was Robert's preference, and that's fine. I like it. I mean, I'm here for it, but in some situations, you do that's I think like the difference between monthly and ongoing. It's just there's mm. chapter breaks and an ongoing. 
and or you know a monthly book there's chapter breaks that that you want to take a moment before the next one but i don't think it's i think if you know it's going to happen it's not very jarring but i also like Mm -hmm. to be one they are meant to be read for my books for my books personally it's meant to be one story you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's meant to be read through i write them in a way that i write that's how i think of these stories i don't think of them as being that you need to take a break between each one. I think you should be able to sit down and read all five through a row. And you'll you'll probably get more out of it than the person who's waiting a month, frankly, because I reference things that you might not remember a month later in issue five, right? You might not remember things in issue two and issue five. So that's my preference. My preference is for things to be consumed at once. Uh, that's funny. You know, I didn't know, because I, I, th- I thought maybe they weren't doing that anymore. And I, I, I flipped through that book, but I didn't pay that much attention to it. But that's a, that is a Skybound thing, people. It's a lesson for you all if you publish a Skybound. Consider chapter breaks. Yeah, because it's happened a couple of times. There was another image trait that wasn't Skybound, where both times I was sort of like, oh, I'll I'll just read one issue, or I'll just read one chapter or another. And it was like, oh, this is a really long issue. And then then you sort of realise, oh, there's no issue breaks. And as as you say, it's interesting because it it is nice to have it all in one story, especially if it's been written that way, because if it's just one case of arc and not one long ongoing thing, it's... It's fun to just read it all at once, but then equally, sometimes then it's nice to know when to stop. Sometimes I know with things like Walking Dead or whatever, it was it almost became a bit of a game to try and recognize the issue break. Well, like if there was a, like a notable splash page or something that was occurring in the story. Yeah, for sure. I think, I, you know, it's funny because I read, I for sure have the omnibuses and I don't remember there not being chapter breaks either, but I think, you know, that guy's pretty good. He's pretty good at telling comics. So uh, mm-hmm. it's just preference. I don't think, I don't know if I would do it if I was, I don't know if I would, if I would do that on my own. Cause I do like, I like, I like it when there's a number on the chapter breaks, you know what I mean? Like when you're mm-hmm. reading and you're like, Oh, a chapter two. I, I like that. I, I don't know. I'm torn. There's, there's, again, there's, there's, there's multiple, there's multiple philosophies on it. I'm sure. Uh, but for, for Skybound, it's for all my Skybound books. They've done it that way. And I, that's fine. I, I like it. Uh, I don't know if I do it on my own but I do like it. Yeah, I think Walking Dead has the... It's, like, broken up by volumes, but not by issues, so... Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, that's an arc, right? That's an arc. I'm here for it. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. But but it's, like, also on the wind, like, Boom Studios, the James Turney and Michael Dial... Dial, I don't know. Dial Wine. That's probably pronounced wrong, sorry. But um, that doesn't have... It's broken up into chapters, but it actually says like chapter one, chapter two instead of like issues. That's I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that would be my problem. I I would do chapters also probably in the collection. <laughs> everything off my tape. Sounds like chaos over there. Occasional. So going going back to where monsters lie, how did the creative team sort of come together once you had the idea and did you get in contact with the artist and? The veteran, so the whole team, or was that something that was put together by Dark Horse? No, no, yeah, it's it's an excellent question. So uh, early in my, I'm a cartoonist, so I drew most of my early things, and then uh, I did Assassination with Eric Henderson, who's a good friend of mine, and then I did Mars Attacks and Six Sidekicks with my my dearest friend Chris Schweitzer. So finding creative teams was always, I want to work with so and so, they want to work with me, and we want to do something, and we were given the opportunity. Uh, and it's great. Like that's, you know what you're getting into and you, you hope your friendships survive. And they did because, uh, you know, they're your friends. And most, most often that happens for, I hate this place for 
for where monsters lie and for probably things before coming is like I'm I'm being asked to per, to come up with stories that people want to sell and then we find mm. the creative team right so for Dark Horse uh, they asked me for a pitch and it was where monsters lie because that was the book that I wanted to do at the time and then they were like here's a series of artists and it's very similar with where monsters lie it's like we have to we we find someone to do the job which is frequently nerve-wracking and frustrating it's a lot of undue pressure on me to find someone who's going to do the best job for the story that's going to be professional that's also going to bring something to the table so for where monsters lie uh Piotr kowalski was one of the first suggested they are incredible they are amazing uh they're so good they're perfect for this book um Piotr has a really great grasp on spooky and gross um but not in a way that's like overwhelming so he I, I i the story i tell about piotr right now is that in like the the first several pages which i think are out there um someone gets their eye poked out by a knitting needle and when i when i saw it i was like oh my god like that's so gross i was like why did i'm like did i write that it's like i had to go look to see if i wrote that <laughs> it's like once i saw it because piotr did such a good job i regretted having written it honestly and he does little things like that where um I think in issue two, there's a bit where someone gets hit with a claw hammer and he does sort of the, the continued action of the hammer by the teeth coming out of the person's mouth. Like it's a little row of like, it's so good. Uh, he's great. And he was uh, highly professional, uh, just a dream to work with and an incredible. So probably for the, probably until people, until greater number of artists are like, I want to work with Kyle Starks, which uh, frankly, if it's happening, I'm not hearing about it personally. Get at me, guys. Um, <laughs> this is how it's going to be is that you have to find people. You have to you have to seek out who's available, who's within the projected budget of the book, which is no fun, because as we said, comics don't sell as much as they should. Um, and, you know, who is going to fit best with the style of the story? Uh, it's it's one of the worst parts of making comics right now is trying to find that out. But that being said, Piotr was amazing. We'll work with again, hopefully work again soon honestly he was great professional fast everything you want so good yeah i mean even looking at the cover alone it has a very sort of grimy feel to it but still that uh sort of animated so feel that i've sort of noticed on a lot of your books which, which is always fun to see yeah he's good i i feel like you know it's funny because like even with i hate this place it's like I, I want to move away from sort of cartoony as much as possible because i do think and again this all goes back to the direct market i think direct market readers prefer comics to look a certain way um though i think certainly with horror that's not the case horror is doing pretty well and uh uh horror is doing pretty well and people are a little bit more open to what those type of books look like but uh i think piotr is closer you know he did he did like um he did the witcher book and he did the bloodborne book he's got a he's got a great it, it sort of walks a lot of lines but his nasty stuff is is nasty he does this cross-hatching stuff that I think is really just wonderful. He's great. He's really good. He, he, You know, you want the artist to bring something to the book. And so far in my career, I think, blankly, is this true? I think, yes. Uh, I've only been, I've been lucky to work with people who do that, who bring something more to the book than Yeah, that's great to see. I was talking with another creator, another writer the other day, and he was sort of talking about the sort of extra steps that uh, the artist, by the horns goes to to Jason Murn as the artist of that book. I was talking to uh, Marcus Danessa. It's a great book from Scout Comics that 
people to check out. They aren't really very fun, but it's sort of cool to see uh, sometimes some artists sort of having that unique flair or that unique style or taking those extra steps to make it sort of extra special and taking that time. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think the good ones, I think the majority do. Um, I think that's also a very fine line. I'm super type A. Uh, I wrote a specific story that I want to be represented. Uh, right. And I've also been lucky that people are not going off book. They're not messing around with what I've written because as I said, like I crafted a very specific thing. Um, they like Piotr with his teeth. Um, I just did a creep show for Skybound. I did a, a issue four of creep show with Fran Galan and uh, he's incredible too. The thing is with, with storytelling is like, you know, you're sort of the director of photography, right? You're mm. sort of directing the actor. So you have like so much space to work around the script and if the script's good, you don't need to mess with it. But you know what? Frankly, I I know uh, I know friends who have worked for other writers, and they're like, you have to change things because they literally it's not a good script. Like they have to fix it, and that's fine. <laughs> um, but Frank Galan does this thing in Creepshow that I think is so great, where it, it's a it's sort of a Stephen King, you know, kids caper. Um, they're dealing with a vampire in the woods or whatever. But in panel like two, these kids are talking, and this kid's laying on his bed on his back, and he's throwing a baseball in the air. And in the next panel, he catches it in a different, but the but the angle has changed, and it's so brilliant, it's so good, and like that's the type of like when artists do that, that's what you want. Erica and Schweitzer, I'm only going to write so many panels because we're all working for 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 uh, for issue one of Rockini Mountain. There's like a 16 panel page. I would never write that for someone else, right? I would never ask someone to do that level of work. Um, but for Erica and Schweitzer who are like-minded to me, they would be, they would add panels because you want the action to sort of beat in a certain way. And like, they get that. Um, I would never ask someone to do that, but when someone does it, it's great. You're like, you get it. Like they get like this page needs one more, one more panel to sort of make this be the moment it should be. Um, so like I said, there's a, again, many different perspectives on it. I, I like it when, when, when people do stuff additive, uh, if someone changed what I wrote, I'd lose my mind. I'd absolutely, I'd absolutely lose my mind. <laughs> But some people need it. Um, there's a there's a, a famous, a, a, a very successful writer who who even now after doing it for years, I know doesn't understand how many words can go in a panel, or what's like a realistic number of people to be in a panel. It's hard. It's hard. And not all writers are cartoonists, and not all writers know how to tell a story visually, right? Um, mm. And they and they're going to lean heavily on artists, and the good artists that's they do it. I don't want. I don't want. I want them to find this to be easy, an easy job that's fun to do. That's what I want. And that they feel compelled to add to it. Yeah. Is, was Wemmel's Desire something that was sort of written, how far in advance were you sort of working on that and writing it? And was it something that, because I know some writers when writing many stories, they sort of write it all at once or very close together, or was it something that was never long? For Where Monsters Lie? Yeah. Um. I mean, so... Uh, we were so uh, I'm really good friends with Matt Kent, uh, and we're doing this thing now right. where we play we play Fortnite on Saturdays and we stream it and we do like sort of AMAs. We sort of do AMAs while we're playing Fortnite. Right. And someone and someone had asked something similar, which is you know how many books are you working on and how do you figure it out? And I'll tell you my preference. My preference in this life, I love cartooning more than anything. My preference is always to be would be to draw what I wrote. And that I could make a career only doing that, only doing old heads and sex castles and rock candy mountains. Um, it's just not the way of the world. And people want me to write. Um, 
and I, I love writing. I'm better at it than I am drawing. I get it. But that being said, realistically, when you're writing, you can't do you can't just be working on one book at a time because of the pay structure of it. Right. So my mm -hmm. preference is to do everything at once would be to write one book beginning to end and then move to the next book. But that process isn't it doesn't take three days to write something right. It takes you have to think of the ideas and formulate like it takes a long time. So for the last, say, four months, I'm doing two books and I'm sort of going back and forth. It's not my preference. Um, my preference would be to write it all the way through. For Where Monsters Lie, I got to do that because of my schedule at the time. I think that's my memory of it. Um, my memory of it is I wrote it all at once, which is always going to be my preference because I want to live, I want to fully live with these characters in this world that I'm creating. I want, I want to be on top of sort of the rhythms of their speech. I want to be... I don't want to forget something, you know, I don't want to forget something about these characters. And that's always my concern when I go back and forth. Um, so these last, uh, I don't know, four or five months, I've been working on two books, which is I Hate This Place and another book that hasn't been announced, which I suspect is going to be announced soon, which is probably going to be the biggest book of my career in terms of announcements. Mm -hmm. And I had to go back and forth. It's just the nature of deadlines, right? I had to go back and forth and I don't love it. Um, so my preference would be to sit down and just do it. I know when I started in comics, I did Sex Castle. I remember, but I did Dead of Winter. Oni asked me to do Dead of Winter, which is about a dog fighting zombies uh, based on a popular board game that no one knows. So it's just a good book about zombies. I highly recommend it. And I think it was four issues. And I could never do this now. But back then, like, I, I didn't, I had no pressures or expectations. I think I wrote it in, like, two or three weeks. Like, all four or five issues, however many it was. Just because I just, like, I'm just going to write it. Like, who cares? It's going to be what it's going to be. And now, of course, like, you know, I want to craft things in a certain way. Uh, so yeah, my preference would be to sit down and do it every time to do it all in a row. But it's just I, my 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 process requires so many more steps now than it used to. And the same goes for my trades. Like I just sat down and did them. And for for most of those collections, again, Sex Castle killed. No, not right, Candyman, but Old Head. I I didn't use scripts. I just sat down and I I thought about them for a long time. And then when I when I finally went pen to paper, I I sort of knew where things were supposed to go and without page counts page counts is a lot of it probably <laughs> uh without page counts or chapter breaks like you can just go and, and let it be the thing it wants to be as long as you know important story parts that have to happen so yeah i'd like to do it all at once that's my preference but it just realistically doesn't happen yeah how easy or difficult do you find it when translating your ideas into onto the page because you're saying once you know that's all the important story beats then you can write it but how sort of difficult is it maybe to get to that stage or after that stage from idea to writing you mean or yeah um i mean i i don't know it's the job mm, I, it's, it's, yeah. it depends on who the artist is and how much hand holding they might need um and i think for me writing like i'm i'm I bet if you read like my scripts to assassination, which is with Eric Henderson, who's was a friend of mine who knows me and who's brilliant. I bet those scripts are very loosey goosey in terms of panel to panel description. I bet they're very loosey goosey. I know for Rick and Morty, um, Mark Ellerby did the majority of the, the art on that. And he's so talented and he could definitely understand what the joke was and he could elevate the joke. I bet they're also very loosey goosey um, because I know they know what's like, I don't have to spell it out. Right. So mm. in terms of how difficult it is, it, it depends on the artist um, and who the artist is and what their strengths are and weaknesses. That's going to decide how much work it is. But I, I think, you know, the actual writing part is probably the easiest because, again, I'm so type A that I've mm. already figured out the structure of things. And for me, 
uh, I say, I say all the time, like the hardest part for me in writing is not dialogue. It's not character. It's not actions. It's not beats. It's always little logistical. Like these characters need to be outside for this story moment to happen. How are they? Why are they outside? How do they get outside? How do they get to this restaurant? They need, did they drive? Did they like, those are the things that bother me the most. It's always the little logistical things that you need to happen between story moments. Um, always the holdup. Those are always the holdup is like, why are they, how did they get to this place that they have to be at? Because it's important to the story. Um, it's always the hardest parts for me. Yeah. And maybe this might be a terrible segue, but so speaking of logistics, you wrote a, I think it wraps up this month, but the alpha betas comic from the whatnot publishing, which sure. sort of just came, came about in the last few months of uh, alpha, the alpha beta thing. Um, which was at the time, not whatnot. It was uh, Starburns. Right. Uh, Starburns production company is, was part of Rick and Morty. And right. it was dealing with Starburns and they reached out to me. It was during the pandemic and uh, I needed work. I needed money for the pandemic because I wasn't doing shows. So I was looking for things mm -hmm. I probably normally wouldn't do. And they reached out to me and I really liked the editorial team and uh, so we did that. So at the, t so when I wrote that, I wrote that entire thing again, probably pretty quickly, um, based on real people, based on real human beings being turned <laughs> into, turned into cartoon characters, which is, was challenging, but a challenge that I really enjoyed. Um, so yeah, at the time it was Starburns and Starburns had, had published comics before, um, and it segued into whatnot. And I, I'm fairly certain it's the only license, I don't know, I think. Uh, Wesley Snipes is doing something that might technically be licensed for whatnot. But yeah, the whatnot thing came along quickly. Uh, I get asked about whatnot pretty often. Like, I don't, I don't know, like my, my agreements were with Starburns, not whatnot. So I don't know. Right. The ups and, down, the ups and downs of whatnot, but I, I, Michael Calero over there, who I think is technically a co-publisher. Um, I, I, he's a great, I like him a lot. He, he was good to me. He did. He drew the comic. He, he was both editor and artist on the comic, which is unusual. Um, so look, whatever, you know, whatnot seems to be selling a lot of single issues and we're here for it. Like if all publishers, all publishers are good publishers as long as they pay people and they can sell books. So I don't know a lot about what probably. Yeah, that all makes sense. Before we start to wrap up, is there anything in particular that you've been reading lately that you've enjoyed or just anything really? Oh my gosh. I'm so busy right now. I don't know. I, I started reading, I'm trying to read novels again. I'm trying to read right. book books because um, I used to read all the time and probably over the last five or six years, it's sort of, I just haven't had time for it. I look at words all day um, mm. and I can feel, I can feel my mental prowess failing uh, yeah. because I just don't consume, I don't consume words like I used to. So I've been reading a bunch of crime stuff in preparation for stories. I mean, um, I've been reading Joe Ransdale. But prior to that, I mean, like, I think James Tinian's doing some of the best stuff in comics right now. His horror stuff is, is next level. I haven't read the second volume, Nice House on the Lake. I've only read, it's amazing. It's a great book, in my opinion. Uh, uh, I feel like I read something else recently. I re I'm always so bad at this because, like, I do read things, but it's like it all passes through me so quickly. Yeah. Um, I really, I really liked, uh, I really liked uh, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. I thought that was oh, great. Yeah. Uh, and I'll tell you, like, that's great. And I was so mad at it because it's clearly just starts as true grit. It's clearly, it's so clearly another like famous book. And I was so mad at it. I'm like, this is so obnoxious. But by like chapter two and a half, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm all the way in on this. Uh, <laughs> is this a real, that's again, a miniseries, a really just tight, brilliant miniseries with a beginning, middle and end. 
Um, I'll say, I, I read, a, I read, I, I don't read as much as I'd like to just because of time. Like I said, now I'm trying to read novels. You know, you spend so much time in comics, it's tough. I'm trying to think of what my peers are doing. <laughs> my, I always like to shout out my peers. Um, but I can't, I can't think of it. Those are the, probably the two biggest ones of what I... So much great stuff out nowadays. Too much great stuff. Yeah, and you know, we like, I sort of, I always look forward to the end of the year list are the Eisner nominations to sort of check out what people are really excited about. Uh, and I'm sure there's some some things that I saw that's like, oh, I haven't read that. I want to check it out because I need to, you know, things are expensive. So you really that mm, validation. Yeah. You're like, for sure, I'm not wasting my money on that. Uh, we have like a library app here that has a lot of comics on it called Hoopla that I try to keep mm. up on things. But it's trades. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're trade waiting. Um, I know I'm I try to I try to read what I can, but I have to uh, I'm just fumbling around. I know I read something else. Good. Comics are great. You know, comics are great. And I think there are certain creators. I wish I wish comics were more like film, even though I think it's true for like direct market big two stuff. But I wish there's a lot more people going like, oh, I love Wes Anderson. I'm gonna watch all the Wes Anderson films. You right, know? Yeah. So for me, it's like, you know, you you were like, Oh, I I read six sidekicks, which each book for me is getting more readers because you know, I'm making good things and it's sort of you hope to grow. Um and so it's like, man, my hope was like people had six sidekicks, which I think is a very pure Kyle Starks book. And they're like, oh, I want to read Rock Candy Mountain, which was nominated for an Eisner. I want to read Sex Castle. Like you go back and check out these other things. Because I mm. think if you enjoy one thing, you will enjoy the other things. Like I, I really like Tinian's Something is Killing the Children. So of course I'm going to read Nice House on the Lake, right? Um, and as soon as I get the opportunity, I think he has a book called The Closet? The Doors? Yes. Yeah. I'm going to read that. Like I can't wait to read that. Um, but I haven't yet, you know. That being said, I, I don't really care about Batman. I'm not going to read his Batman books. I just don't care. Um, but his horror stuff is is next level. Uh, my friend Matt Kent, I think I always enjoy his books. I know I'm forgetting so many. I'm just going to, I'm so bad at it. <laughs> I'm so bad at this. I should always prepare. Like, what do, what am I, what have I read? What do I like? Uh, and just have like one book that I say, oh, this is the good one. Kyle Stark's books. That's what you. Yeah. I mean, because you sort of mentioned Tiny and I been loving House of Slaughter and something that's kind of children month to month. Those have been good reads. Yeah, I think I think he's doing next level horror stuff right now in comics. I think it's just it's all time it's all timer horror stuff in comics. Yeah, and like you were saying about the sort of checking out say or all Wes, Ad- Wes Anderson's films over the last year on twenty twenty two, I as as a there's like a lot of writers that I think about like I started to catch up on they've put out. Yeah. I mean, like, I think, uh, like, I, like Little Monsters is that the name of the, the Lemire book that just came out from Dark Horse? Yeah, like, Dark Horse. Yeah. yeah, I like, I enjoyed, I enjoyed that a lot. Uh, oh, you know what? Uh, uh, here's what I probably outside of Supergirl, I read. Um, I loved Chips, a friend of mine, but I love, uh, I love Newburn. I love uh, Public Domain. Public Domain is a book that shouldn't exist. That no one. Like if Chip wasn't Chip, no one would let that book be made. And mm-hmm. because he's Chip, he was able to make it. And like that's a that's an incredible book. Um, that's so unique and so fun. Uh, Stillwater is a really great premise uh, with really wonderful art. Chip's great. I try to read all of his stuff for sure. Uh, he's getting all the flowers that he he needs though. He's doing okay for himself. I think. Yeah, it's fun because he had Batman with Jorge Jimenez one of like, the best superhero books of the year, at least I thought, and then also Public Domain, one of the best indie books of the year on the opposite end, so it, it, that was really cool to see. Yeah, he's pretty good. 
Oh, and like um, Stillwater and New Bern. Yeah, it's just, it's all it's all coming to mind now. It's just lots of books. Yeah, pretty good, pretty good year for Chip. Yeah, <laughs> and, year for that guy. Yeah, and just in general, I remember when I w- w- was recording the best of twenty twenty two episode ended up being like maybe at least like a couple of hours longer than I thought it would be. So I had to split it up into two episodes, and it was the whole thing. It was like it was worth it, but it just maybe just highlighted the amount of truly awesome stuff that is that had to come out and is coming out sure so is there anything else that you want to mention or talk about of course people need to go pick up and buy where monsters lie and i hate this place when it comes back but anything yeah, else in course. general no i think that's it i'm i'm the kyle starks on almost all social media check out check out some fun books check out those, those old books they're real good all the books are good we're real proud of all the books we've so many good books. I feel like there's one message from this episode we keep saying is that yes, there are many, many good books. The industry might be somewhat depressing at times, but it's still some fun books. So that's the main thing. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for joining me and talking with me. I'm glad we made the time to organize this. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's a good time, and and thanks for everyone for listening. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for on this episode. I want to thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review the show five stars wherever you're listening. I would really appreciate it. If you want to keep up to date on new episodes, please subscribe. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, you can email the show at joetalkscomics at gmail.com. You can find the podcast on Twitter at joetalkscomics. And finally, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at joelovescomics where we can continue talking comments. That's all for now, and I hope to see you next time. Bye!